Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to work within an NPO? What about leading one? When I got thinking about this myself, I mean, I have a basic idea and overview of what it could be about, but I really don't know much more beyond that. So that kind of led me to thinking, well, it's about time that we have an individual within that space, someone who has been running an NPO and creating social impact change on scale onto the program to learn more about this line of work. So that's exactly what I have for you today. We have this guest who has this really, really important cause that he's working on within his organization. And we get into it all as far as what his organization does, some of his roles and responsibilities, and his backstory, I mean, how he got into social impact work. Not only that, we dive into the state of funding within the NPO world. We also have a look at the challenges and opportunities, and of course, too, the meaningfulness of this type of work. Beyond that, there's this really engaging story of an up-and-coming social impact cause leader that you're not going to want to miss. So I certainly encourage you to stick around and check out this conversation. It was truly inspirational, and I think you're you're really going to like it. So let me more formally introduce you to our guest today, and, uh, and we'll welcome to the program. John Branham, first and foremost, is a social impact leader. He's also the executive director at Get Schooled, an organization that offers tips, tools, and advice to help students, often those from socioeconomic backgrounds that have added challenge to succeed in education. With an undergrad in political science from Washington and Lee University, and a degree in law from the University of Oregon School of Law, John has carved out a career leveraging much of his broad skill sets and knowledge towards leading impact teams as they seek to achieve large-scale impact, especially for black and brown youth. His experiences in the private, nonprofit, and public sectors, both domestically and internationally, helping organizations achieve unprecedented levels of impact, community, sustainability, and brand awareness, align well with his current role. In leading an organization as audacious and driven as Get Schooled, John is constantly asking himself penetrating questions such as, what creative new strategies can be employed to inspire youth? How to partner across cultures in ways that demonstrate respect for others' values and experiences and lead to impacts that far exceed individual efforts? How to align brand with fundamental human and earth-centered values? And ultimately, how to achieve impact worthy of one's efforts? Yeah, pretty heady stuff, I know. However, the impacts he and his organization make demand such constant, thoughtful, and deliberate consideration. And these are samplings of insights and topics we are poised to hear more about today. So with all that stated, here's my conversation with John Branham. Yeah, so hi there, John. Welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Christopher. How are you? Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it's funny. I, I don't often get asked that question off the, off the top here. So yeah, but thanks for asking. Thanks for taking the time there. It feels like that's the polite thing to do. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe it's the nerves of getting on a pod. You never, you never know. You never know how people sort of react to these types of things. But anyhow, thanks again, though. But maybe we can jump right into this, if you don't mind. I do have the first segment lined up, and it's something called Coloring Wikipedia. And as my guests know, it's basically just a segment where I read off a definition of 
the industry or the actual job that the guest does. And I do it for a few reasons. I mean, one, I think it's really interesting just to kind of set the stage. But then also, too, I think there's this element of us owning our own jobs. We put our own stamp on what we do. So we might have the same title within the same country or sometimes in a different country. And just that alone, you have culture that's affecting it. So anyway, I think it's really compelling to kind of you know, kick things off with. So with that in mind here, John, I do have a bit of bad news. Hmm. Wikipedia is going to let us down a little bit here. They don't actually have an entry for social impact. So hmm. I did a little bit of internet sleuthing here, and I came up with a couple more. So let me just read these off for you, and then uh, after, maybe you can comment. Does that sound all right? Great. All right. So here we go. The first one comes by way of Amy Roshlin. She's a COO of Metrodora Institute. So let me just read that one off first. Social impact leader. Successful social impact leaders operate according to a common leadership thread. They're keenly focused on helping others, delivering results to stakeholders, and advancing positive change for society quickly and effectively. That's the first one. Let me just get the second one in here too. Now the second one comes from Forbes, and it's pretty short, pretty sweet. Here we go. Social impact, systematically and sustainably transforming education, business, and beyond. There you go. First take. What do you think of this, John? <laughs> uh, I mean, I love Forbes, but I'm laughing at that uh, second definition. I mean, it, it's it is uh, classic Forbes, right? Short, um, <laughs> that soundbite, um, right? Just soundbitey. Um, I mean, I think that the, the the first definition you you read resonates uh, more for me. I mean, honestly, it's probably the case that I'm supposed to think about myself as a social impact leader. I guess that I, I don't, I, I don't actually think about, I mean, I think a lot about, I think a lot about impact in, in particular for black and brown youth. I think about my role as an organizational leader. I think about my role as a leader in, in a sort of an ecosystem, a field, if you will, of educational organizations that are trying to improve outcomes and opportunities for black and brown youth. But, and I guess I don't necessarily think about definitions like that, but as I heard you reading it, most of the elements resonated for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose with a title like that, you're, you're not necessarily going to be putting that on business cards as well, <laughs> sort of thinking, but, but you're right in terms of broad, you know, broadly speaking, what you and your organization is all about, it, it certainly applies. And maybe that might be a nice opportunity to, to hear a little bit more about Get Schooled. Maybe you could explain to listeners a little bit more about what that organization stands for. Yeah, you bet. So Get Schooled is, is a 13-year-old organization. We talk about ourselves as being an America's only all-digital, free college and first jobs advisor. We were founded by the Gates Foundation and Paramount, the, the big media company, in response to a national challenge that existed 13 years ago and unfortunately hasn't changed much since which is that the high school, college, and career counselor to student ratio in America is about one to 408. And so what that means, yeah, it's bananas. And and it varies varies significantly by state, right? So you you actually have some states that are more like, you know, one to 270 and others that are one to 700, one to 900. And so what that means is if you are a black, brown, first gen or immigrant youth in this country going to just a normal you know, public high school, you have to get in line behind you know, 400, 700 other kids in order to secure support from your counselor. And, and counselors across America 
had an impossible task even before the pandemic, right? And like, who could even possibly support 400 kids? But but certainly post-pandemic, it's just been an overwhelming role. And so the big idea behind Get Schooled 13 years ago, and it remains today, is to sort of harness the power of digital platforms, digital tools to provide high quality, personalized content and supports for young people across the country so that they don't have to make the journey to to college or to any other post-secondary institution or program alone, that, that they have someone there that's just a text or an email away. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And it's, it's hard to believe it is shocking. You know, yeah. you could probably read that from my reaction when you're reading that some of those stats off that, you know, it's such a tumultuous time for anyone, for anyone within their youth, especially when they, they don't necessarily know all the options out there. I mean, obviously, the, the focus of this podcast and what this is all about stands for a lot of those values, you know, trying to expose some of these options to people because it's tough. It's, there's so much going on in one's life at that age. And then you add on that layer of, you know, socioeconomic disadvantage, you know, coming from some of these, these, these backgrounds where they have even less in the way of guidance and support. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely get behind the organization and what it stands for. It's, it's critically needed. But again, with stats like that, it really, yeah, yeah, it goes a long ways. And, you know, when I was researching for this talk, I see that you've served over, you know, served millions of students essentially yeah. in, in reaching out and helping yeah. put them in situations yeah. where they are setting up their future for positive outcomes. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's easy, I would say. So thank you. And I mean, the work is challenging, but it is incredibly rewarding. And it's easy to wake up every morning energized about sitting down at your computer and, and, and getting to work. Yeah, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, like you are literally changing lives. So yeah, I, I can definitely appreciate that comment. All right, well, why don't we slide into this next segment here, John, something called the day in the life segment. And it's back to you here. I'd love to know, you know, what it is that you are engaged with personally, as far as your role within Get School, you know, what would be a typical day for you if, if such a thing exists, really? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Yeah, I, I think I have a rhythm to my day. Well, the first thing which is both relevant to the work and and probably more of a personal commentary. But um, I'm a I'm a super early riser, so I'm up at probably four or so most wow. mornings, okay. and I'm at my desk. You know, have my coffee. Probably call it four twenty, and so uh, I'm able to get a couple of hours of work in in the mornings before our kids wake up. And I can appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know, I'm about, I'm about 5 a.m., 5 a.m. typically, but uh, you got me by an hour though. No, no, it's, it, it's great. I love those early mornings. I'm able to push out a lot of work. I'm able to respond. Uh, you know, I have board members and we have partners that are on the East Coast. So I'm able to be responsive and also, you know, for my team, sort of re respond to uh, reviews, you know, document reviews, et cetera, that they've sent. And then, and part of that also is because you know, my with younger children who come home at, you know, two thirty three four, it's important to me and and in our family for me to be able to be responsive and supportive of them. And so what that means is I'm kind of knocking my day off a little bit earlier than others. And so so in terms of rhythms and kind of big bodies of work, I spend my the majority of my day in a couple of big buckets. The first, for better or for worse, is fundraising. Right. So I got to raise couple million dollars every year to keep the lights on for the organization. And so I probably spend maybe 50, 60% of my time doing that. Yeah, um, fair enough. More than I would like, 
but it's just sort of the realities of that reality. Yeah. Yeah. And then I spend another chunk of time in conversation with existing partners or, or potential partners. So organizations locally and around the country that with whom we could partner that are supporting similar youth, but who do not have a digital component to their sort of program offerings. And then the third thing is then being the sort of strategic leader and cheerleader for the organization. So what's our course as we think about, you know, the months, weeks, and year ahead, and then uh, engaging with staff, being a thought partner for them, again, and a cheerleader for their work. Yeah. You know, in speaking with a lot of professionals on this program, one of the things that always stands out is this this role of you know, wearing a lot of different hats, having a lot of different responsibilities. I mean, it can be stressful at times, but certainly it can be rewarding as well, kind of pulling you in and out of different realms. And it would seem to be the case for you, at least there, you know, a lot of different groups that you're interacting with and, and whatnot. So, yeah. Totally. I mean, and I, and I, um, I think it's really interesting, you know, when you think about roles like this, like I, in a given day, I might have probably anywhere from I'd say seven to 14 different conversations, like with sort of time sets on my calendar and they're all very different. It could be like a human resources issue, internal fundraising partner. I mean, all those things. And I love that variety. It feeds me. And if I had to do the same thing or similar things all day long, I'd drive me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I think it's one of those often overlooked elements of, of, you know, of jobs. And when you're kind of searching for jobs, if you're going to have that element of uh, a variety in there, it's so critical to, to ultimately having some degree of fulfillment, but well, let's jump on over into a new segment here, pathways. And basically this is a segment just to highlight the notion of how irregular and, and sometimes varied, you know, one's pathway is to where they ultimately land up. You know, at times, you know, people might have this vision of where they want to go and to actually get there, there's a lot of zigging and zagging, left-hand turns, right-hand turns. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your backstory as far as how you ended up where you are right now. I love that question. You know, I I was pretty clear from a young age that I wanted to work sort of at the intersection of social change, especially for, for black and brown communities and and doing that work at scale. Like, I don't know what, I, 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 can't, I think it was some of my early books, you know, Autobiography of Malcolm X, Black Boy, Invisible Man, like that stuff that I was reading in, in middle school that really inspired me. After college, I started teaching middle school in Anacostia, Washington, DC, back in the mid nineties, back when Anacostia was a pretty tough part of the country. And the majority of my students were black and brown. And I, I was so inspired by them and by the work that it really kind of set my trajectory. The thing that I, I loved being in the classroom, I loved working with those young people, but but I, I wanted to impact more students. And so, and I also was starting to realize that I wanted to be the boss. So I felt like I needed to go to law school, uh, to, you know, sort of have that advanced degree to be taken a little bit more seriously, especially as a, as a black male. And then, and then I jumped into uh, the school district working, you know, at a senior level across a large urban school district. And then there were some changes in that organization's leadership. And the next best option was to go work for a national education nonprofit. And then that's when I really realized like, oh, this is this is my place, right? You're able to work at scale. You have a greater degree of nimbleness. The organizations tend to be a little bit smaller. You can be more creative. 
Um, and so from that point, I sort of worked my way around the kind of organizational pie, like understanding, like, you know, membership, strategy, fundraising, leadership, like all of those things. And I was very intentional about doing that because I knew that I wanted to become the executive director. And so now I'm, you know, this is like the third one that I've led and I love it. One thing that stood out to me, broadly speaking here, is this notion of you having an idea where you want to go with things, at least initially, again, really broadly speaking here, but then as you kind of move your way through the system and you you have these almost like, I don't know, signposts along the way or targets that you're aiming for, you're exposed to new ideas, you're exposed to new opportunities, which then, of course, ultimately give rise to a new direction, you know, of where you could take this and how you could kind of refine it to actually end up to where you'd like to be, which is ultimately delivering impact on scale. So yeah, I really like that. Really, really helpful, I think, to, to people who are still trying to like figure out, you know, how they might end up mm-hmm. in some of these professions that they ultimately have some, you know, interest in. So well, let's slide into yet another segment here, Q&A Discovery. We can kind of just continue this back and forth. And I had this first question lined up. I mean, we've already spoken about this briefly. You've already introduced Get Schooled to a certain degree. Uh, an NPO founded 2010, and again, helping millions of young people on their path to college, you know, getting first jobs, targeting youth from low-income families. In terms of how you do it, I think is what's really interesting where I'd like to kind of go on this question, at least initially here, is that, you know, you've mentioned this notion of leveraging digital technologies and allowing for youth to interact that way. I mean, let's face it, youth growing up in this world today, like that is a skill that it has to be developed. And, and just by living here on this planet, it kind of naturally evolves for most, at least for most. So as far as that and, and reaching your target audiences and, and interacting with them, that notion of technology and, and digital access, maybe you can speak to that point a little bit about how you go about doing these things. Yeah, you bet. So I appreciate the question. So the first thing is to just sort of affirm, we we talk about that we work in in and support young people in three journeys. The first is accessing uh, and sort of being prepared for their to continue their education after high school so kind of accessing post-secondary the second journey is to be successful during their first year or two while they're there and then the third is to to find and be successful in their first job slash early careers so those are the three journeys but to your point it's really the how we do our work that's the special sauce so the first core element is that we um we're content creators so we we look at what the research shows are the major drivers of success within each one of those three journeys. And then we actually curate content. But what makes our content special and unique is that all of the content is mobile first. It's all research-based. It's culturally relevant. It's engaging. So, so that might look like a two and a half minute video, say about the FAFSA, Right. And that video might be delivered by a 26 year old black female HBCU grad who says, look, young people, the FAFSA is really important. Without it, it's going to be almost impossible to go to college. Here are the three things you need to know. And if you need help completing the FAFSA, text Get Schooled at 335577 and they got your back. Right. And so any young person across the country or across the world for that matter can watch that video while sitting at a bus stop or sitting in their bedroom. They get the core information they need, and then it's actionable at the end. So that approach inspires all of the content that we create. And then we deploy that content digitally, right? So 
it's it's on TikTok. You know, we just passed 30,000 users on TikTok. I jokingly say that's pretty awesome if you're doing college and career content and or you're and you're not taking your clothes off, right? So um, <laughs> you know, Get Schooled has like 150,000 young people that follow us on social. We have 98,000 that receive our weekly emails with that digital content. We have more than 8,000 educators who use our weekly digital content. So we're deploying it in the places that young people are. And then we send that you know, via email, via text. And then the last thing that we do is we follow that content up that's deployed digitally with personalized support. So we help thousands of young people every year by reviewing their college application essays. We will help them complete the FAFSA. We review their resumes. So all of those very tactical pieces that can actually help young people take that next step uh, in, the, in their progress. Yeah, the, the word that comes to mind is just comprehensive, the comprehensive nature of it all. And in researching for this talk and you and whatnot, of course, getting into the, the Get Schooled site, you know, the thing that stood up to me there right away is what you're just speaking of, like just the, the how it presents itself. You know, I think a lot of NPOs do a lot of wonderful work out there and have maybe to a degree similar aims and whatnot. But what really struck me about Get Schooled and how it approaches this is, like you said, I mean, it is 100% top to bottom geared towards youth. So the way, like the interface, basically, like the design of it, you know, who's speaking to the youth. Like you said, you have people that have perhaps gone through the system or have experienced hardships themselves that are speaking directly to people that you want to target. I mean, that stuff resonates. It has to resonate. And it's strange to me that a lot of other NPOs aren't necessarily doing this. But to your point, I mean, you're, you're really buying into it all. And uh, again, I mean, the results speak for themselves and say like what you were just reading off in terms of some of those stats of, you know, the people that are following you, that are believing it, that are getting behind the organization. Well, I really appreciate that observation because I think um, because it is it is central to our organizational DNA. I, I oftentimes share, but but to your point, I think it's I think it's noteworthy that so we have a national board, of course. of our national board are black, brown, and or first-gen folk. 68% of our staff are black, brown, first-gen. We have a national youth advisory council. They intern with us remotely for an entire year. We pay them well. They are deep thought partners with us, and they are 100% black, brown, first-gen. And then the young people we serve across the country, 64%. And so I, I oftentimes sort of say, I mean, it's it's a point of pride, but it's also important to have that symmetry, that continuity, and especially as an all-digital uh, platform, because we're not, young people aren't meeting with us in person. And so the most important piece then, uh, or element of that equation is building trust quickly. So we wear our values Uh, and our experiences on our sleeves intentionally so that we can, as a way of sort of inviting young people to say, look, we're really in your corners 200%. Let us know how we can be helpful. Makes complete sense. Love that. Well, I have this other question here and it's, it's in line with, I guess, understanding, you know, the, the, the segments that you're trying to affect, right? And certainly there, there are some challenges we've already sort of outlined some of them already, you know, as a leader, how do you go about targeting the most pressing ones, I suppose? I mean, th- th- there's certainly challenges across the board, you know, society, especially within North America and America in particular, there's some challenges there, no doubt. There's only so much you can do as an organization as well. So how do you, in essence, target? These are the ones that we have to, like, it's almost like triage. We have to address yeah. these first, and then we can fan out and sort of address some of these other issues. 
Well, oh, and so and so, are you speaking to um, which people uh, did we support, or on which issues? Broadly speaking, both. I mean, those from socioeconomic backgrounds, yeah. black, brown, youth that, yeah. that that do have these challenges. Yeah. So, no, I appreciate that. It's interesting because what I would say is, to my knowledge, I, I believe this is true. To my knowledge, Get Schooled in its 13-year history has never turned away a single young person who has asked for help, as long as what they're asking for is within our wheelhouse, right? I mean, you know, we're not going to help them build a house. Um, that's not what we do. But I, I'm definitely proud of that. It's a, it's a source of pride for the organization. At the same time, right, so we, we do not have infinite resources. So how do we uh, sort of triage, if you will, and 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 kind of make sure that we're providing the help to the most in need and or our target audiences. And I, I think I would actually go back to my previous comment, which is that although we are here for all young people, because we wear our organizational values on our sleeves, like you can you can read our content, you can watch our content, you can visit the website. It is, I think, unequivocally clear who we are most showing up for. So the truth is, is that young people self-select. Like, look, if a young white middle class, upper middle class kid from Iowa, you know, Des Moines uh, reaches out to us, we're 100 percent going to support them. Like we want them to be successful, but they just don't reach out to us nearly as often as, as, a, as, a, as a black 17 year old kid from Detroit who's in a, a challenging public high school. So I think that's the first way. And then the second way is really through organizations with whom we choose to actively partner. And, and there I would include too, you know, high schools, districts, but then organizations like Unidos or Big Brothers, Big Sisters chapters across the country and Girls Inc. chapters. Um, we, we want to be the digital partner of organizations that are primarily serving Black, Brown, first-gen, and immigrant youth across the country. Yeah, love it, love it, love it, love it. All right. Well, in terms of, I guess, you know, the organizations that you are working with outside of that and returning to this point of some of the strategic partnerships and, and, and organizations that are helping to support your aims and causes, you've already mentioned a couple you know, as far as Paramount Pictures, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. But since then, I mean, you guys have been pretty busy. Uh, just again, in researching this, you have the NFL Foundation, Air Jordan, Comcast, Carnegie Corporation of New York, and several others. You know, talk to me a little bit more about your role as far as managing that. And I mean, you've touched upon that lightly. I mean, the, the critical importance of of finding these these organizations to help keep things afloat and keep you know things going. But uh, you know, maybe you could speak to that point a little bit more. Yeah, you bet. I mean, again, it is a big part of my job. You know, I it, it's interesting now to have been. I mean, I think I am probably pushing fifty. 15 years in senior roles of national education nonprofits. I mention that because at this point in my career, I now have relationships with individuals and organizations, but individuals who, who are funders, uh, where we've worked together for 15 years. We've known each other. You know, we, we've known each other since before we had kids. And so there's a lot of trust there. You know, you, know, you build a body of work people can point to over a long period of time. So I'm super grateful for all of the funders that we have. And we we are really grateful uh, or really fortunate rather to have so many different kinds of funders. I think it's a it points to the value that we offer to our nation. When I joined Get Schooled as executive director, we had far fewer funders. There were a couple 
and they were bigger. And as an executive director, you know, I look at that and that makes me nervous, right? Like I'd rather have, I mean, certainly a couple of large funders is great. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. But you want to have a more stable uh, sort of stool. So I spend a lot of time in conversation and it's not just around like, hey, can you support us financially? It's also around, hey, we want to grow our impact. I'll give you a good example. Comcast, terrific funders of ours. Uh, we were just on the phone earlier today. They're one of our primary points of contact. They introduced us to the CEO of United Way Global because we believe we we can offer them quite a bit of value across the country as they do their work. Similarly, I mean, Paramount, who co-founded us 13 years ago, has supported us every single year for, for 13 years. And, and I've been doing this work for a long time. I am not aware of any other company in America that has provided 13 continuous years of meaningful support. Get Schooled would not exist without Paramount support. So, at, but then we're blessed with newer funders like NFL Foundation and you know Jordan Brand. So as an executive director, I'm constantly cultivating, curating both new relationships, longstanding relationships, relationships that give us reach across the nation, and then also relationships that allow us to go deep in communities like Philly and Detroit and LA and Houston. Yeah, it speaks to a few different points there, I suppose. Like one is the the type of work that you're doing, obviously, it resonates. It resonates with these massive organizations. They can see, you know, how you're delivering impact on scale. And uh, I'd imagine like that, that, that that's got to be meaningful. It's got to give you a degree of optimism moving forward. I mean, there's certainly a bunch of challenges still within America when it comes to a lot of these issues. But at least the support at least would seem to be there from corporate America in, in some respects, at least. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the so again, super grateful for the foundations and corporations that are supporting us. I think there are many, many, many more who, in particular in the in the wake of George Floyd, right, made significant proclamations and commitments and said all the right things in the on the LinkedIn posts and and in in on their websites. But as someone who spends a considerable amount of time both in conversations like this, sitting on panels in conversations with other national you know nonprofit leaders it's it's a very it's actually a relatively small ecosystem i can tell you that most of the organizations that made those kinds of proclamations and promises have not delivered and it, it has not fundamentally changed how they're investing in communities of color black and brown communities and, you know, a lot of them also went out and, you know, hired, you know, SVPs of DEI, right? Uh, but in this latest round of, of turmoil, uh, sort of economic uphe- upheaval and, and sort of challenging times, the research and the evidence is also really clear that those hires have been among the most fired or, you know, like cut. So I think, yes. Get Schooled is resonating. Yes, we are blessed to have many funders. Yes, we are welcoming more to the table. And there are many more organizations who I think need to do the deeper work to really get to that symmetry between the proclamations and the um, 
and the deliveries. So I'm glad you're setting that straight because yeah, I mean, it's conversations like these that I hope can get out there and advance that agenda because you're right. I mean, like there's certainly a, a number of issues there that need to be addressed. And uh, it's one thing to be stating it publicly, like, yes, we care about issue X, Y, and Z, but it's, it's that follow through. It ultimately comes down to that follow through. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you took the second there to uh, set it straight for us. Okay, well, I do have one last question within the segment, and it kind of speaks to this point of what we've covered thus far. This notion of the work that you're doing being as meaningful as it is. I mean, it, it's not hard to see how it would be. It sounds quite demanding. It sounds like it could be stressful at different points. But ultimately, like if you're kind of like bringing it right down to the the micro level of what you're doing for individuals and you're considering that, there must be a massive amount of fulfillment when, when you are considering it from that perspective. Maybe you could speak to that. Mm, yeah, that's, and I appreciate that question. It's interesting because I think on LinkedIn, for example, one of the things that you're really starting to see, and I, it's certainly something that I've been doing for quite some time, but you're starting to see professionals who are sharing more about their personal lives and the connections between their personal lives and their professional lives. And that, that for me has, has always been a, a sort of deeply intertwined way in which I've lived, that the personal is professional and the professional is personal. And so with respect to your point and your question about impact, I, I do think about organizational impact all the time. Like that's, in, that's important. It's an important part of being an organizational leader, but my, my soul is so fed by the work that I'm fortunate to be able to do with my team every day that I almost don't really think about it. I can't, I can't imagine what it would be like to be doing work that was not so deeply rooted in, in, in mission. And for me, I can't speak for other people, but for me as, as, as a, as a 48 year old black male and a father of, of an 11 year old and a seven year old, two brown skin kiddos, it is a tremendous source of pride. And it is extremely important to me to be able to say, here's the work that I'm doing. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish in the world as a symbol for them about how you can engage in this world. So I think more about that, honestly, <laughs> than, I, than I do uh, maybe in other ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you have to. I think, I think that's where the satisfaction can be derived is that, is when you can break it down onto that, that the individual level and then see the impact and measure it that way at times, you know, and that, that, that's where the fulfillment and the energy to, to keep driving forward and, and, you know, keep obviously an, an eye on these macro sort of uh, impacts that you can be having. But it, it does stem from these, you know, those micro interactions and considering. Totally. So, yeah, I really like that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick, a quick I know we got to keep moving. But I'll tell you a quick, funny story, though. Yeah, let's hear it. Well, we're actually, we're ready for it. Water cooler story segment. Okay. Do you want to tee it up or you want me to just roll? No, no, go for it. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay. So, you know, partly because of the pandemic, right. And, and, and my kids were, our kids were here and around me and seeing dad on zoom and, and of course seeing mom do her important work as well. And, and because again, the personal is the professional and the professional is personal. My, my kids, our kids see mom and dad doing our work every day. So our 11 year old daughter knows and can recite what dad does. 
because she hears it all the time. So in the fall, she also plays soccer and I, I coach her team. It's super fun. After a game, we went out to brunch and we we're sitting there at sort of a community table. She was in her uniform and we strike up a conversation with a couple, kind of an older couple that was sitting there. You know, they're really engaging with her, blah, 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 lots of chatter. And at some point, the couple says, okay, well, so what, what do you do? Right. And so my daughter says, hey, hey dad, can I do this? Right. <laughs> so, like, yeah, cool. so she turns and she delivers the whole spiel, get school, mission, like everything, right? Lays it all out for them. And they're clearly like, they're clearly yeah. impressed, right? So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. then at the end of the conversation, the, the guy says, listen, he pulls out his business card. He says, hey, I actually run a family foundation in California. Why don't you shoot me an email? Okay. So I sent him an email the next day. And within a week, we had a $20,000 check. <laughs> and I'll tell you, uh, you know, it's not like uh, life-changing money, but yeah. that was the... But and I'm going to say this crassly, that was the easiest 20,000, but more importantly, uh, you know, my daughter did all the work and, and I told her, I said, look, ooh, you know, we got a 20,000 check. She was like, what? You know, a few more, a few a more trips to the ice cream shop for, I know. I was there. like, boy, I gotta, you gotta <laughs> like, I should hire you, right. You're going to be our front person. So super fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. The complete buy-in there. And, and you know, as, as a parent, you know, you, you you forget sometimes the rub off effect that you have on those that that, that that are around you. You know, even for me in this program here, like I've got kids around the same age. I got a 10 year old and a seven year old. Oh, yeah, and yeah. my older girl, she's always asking me, she's like, hey, dad, who do you have on? And then I, I go over it and I break it down to a level where she can understand. But it's, it's this idea. And she'll ask these questions. She's really inquisitive and curious. And that's where it begins, though. It's these little things, these little things. Yeah, I really like that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, we are heading around the bend, this last segment here, something called a crystal ball segment. As the name implies, we're usually looking towards trends, predictions, so on and so forth. So we've spoken at this point already to a degree, but it's this notion of technology and digital transformation and all that's going on within that space. And again, we, you know, we know by now you guys are all in on this in terms of leveraging that to interact with, you know, who you engage with. But uh, maybe we could return to that point. I mean, technology is certainly evolving right now. And as a tool moving forward, you know, maybe you could uh, shed some light on how you approach that, uh, maybe strategically. Yeah. Or It's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, all of our worlds were sort of collectively rocked, you know, a couple of weeks ago with um, chat GPT, right? And yeah, oh, like, yeah. whoa, wait, wait a minute, what? <laughs> you know, they <laughs> exactly, got every, yeah. everyone by surprise. So I think, you know, the the rate of change and sort of acceleration in some segments of technology is remarkable. Uh, I think the adoption uh, or the usage of chat GPT, for example, has has been unprecedented. But and, you know, you look at and, not, and sort of not to pick on, you know, meta, but like today they announced another 10,000 cuts on top of 11,000, what, in December or something like that. So you got 20,000. And uh, I don't know where those cuts are going to be in the organization, but a big part of meta struggles have been because of their other reasons, but also their move into the, the meta space, you know, meta, whatever. And, and so I think I offer those two examples of like, you both see, you know, rapid sort of expansion and growth in some areas and 
potential deep retractions in others and uncertainty. I think at Get Schooled, two thoughts. One, with respect to technology, maybe three. One, all of the young people we're serving are digital natives. They expect that whatever programs they're engaging in have a digital component. The notion that it that it that there not be is, I think, just deeply antiquated. And I, I would invite our adult listeners to um, to think about that and the implications for that for their work. I think the second thing is that the the technology, like with with respect to, for example, Chat GPT, we're thinking about how in this soon to evolve era or soon to 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 arrive era how can get school be remain and in, increase its value proposition as a an organization anchored in truth right because one of the things that we know about chat gpt is that it is not good at discerning fact from fiction right and especially for young minds who may be less well trained in that that's going to be enormously valuable. So we see that as an important role that we can play going forward in technology. Yeah, yeah. I love that point about ChatGPT. I mean, I think that's, that's for a lot of people, that there's some fear there. I mean, there's excitement and there's fear. You know, on the, on the job side, oh, you know, it's going to come. It's going to eliminate my job. Well, maybe some parts of your job, but not necessarily like the point that you raised there. It's of critical importance in terms of, you know, the human element still being in there. And I see it the way I see it across industries is a guidance, a role of guiding it along and kind of like, well, maybe this advice it's spitting out right now. Mm, maybe that's not where we want to go with things. Right. This over here. Yeah, this is great. We can definitely leverage this. And if we add this sort of thinking or this component to it, we can really take it, you know, quite far. So I think that's a really critical point with technology as a whole and, you know, as it pertains to your organization. Yeah. Um, in terms of this conversation, I know we're drawing to a close here and, uh, you know, I want to be conscious of your time. So I think it might be a nice point to wrap things up. But, John, I must say I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. You shared a ton of insights and I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy it. So, yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Well, for those interested in learning more about John and his organization, Get Schooled, you can find him on LinkedIn. Of course, Get Schooled itself is on all social platforms, or most of them at least, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And for reference, this information will be included in the show notes. And if you like today's show, please be sure to share. I mean, it goes a long ways. I mean, sharing is caring. Yeah, as corny as that sounds, it's so true. So, you know, maybe get it out there. Two, three, four, five friends of yours. Yeah, put it out there. Really, really appreciate that. You can also rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcast. This is the big one for us right here. This is the biggie, the big ask, I suppose. Is In the last year, I did launch a channel over on YouTube, still trying to grow that thing out. When you go over there, you'll notice it needs a bit of love. If you do happen to like what you see, hit that subscribe button. It would certainly help. And then finally, 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 don't forget to tune in to the next episode of Life As A, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.